Welcome, beach-loving business owners, to this episode of Barrels and Business, where it is my job to bring you some of the best entrepreneurs and business owners around the world that absolutely love to get wet. In the next hour or so, depending on whether you can keep me out because you can't see at the moment, but the reef's breaking out the front of my house and I'm kind of jonesing to get out there. But in this next hour or so, what we're going to do is bring you some really tangible tips on how you can grow and scale your business, like actual actionable things, some lessons that this man, Brent Valley, has learned from building multiple businesses and selling them to the tune of $27 million. I wish it was $27 million, but... What's that? I, who gave me that stat? Don't let, the, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. I think it's pretty appropriate right now, don't you think, Dave? But, yeah, uh, we should have some beers with this as well. I reckon. That'd be good. That would, well, I've got big heads in the fridge. What do you got? I got I'm pretty empty here. I've got coconut water. Oh, boring. I know. Okay, right well, we'll have to, let's, stick, let's stick to building businesses and, more importantly, building businesses that are aligned with who you really are as a human and being a little bit more conscious about what we do and getting more aligned to what makes our souls truly happy. So, Brent, tell us, where do we start? Do we start with you selling a really successful tech business and getting more alignment? Or do we start with that epic facility that you're sitting in right now? Thanks, Jade. I'm not sure where the beginning is, but I do know that I am sitting in a pretty cool place right now. You know, I had this vision maybe about 12 months ago to create a space, a place that I could work from, have other people come and work from and inspire other business owners and also teenagers to come, have a good place, have a good time, be inspired, be educated and walk out of here ready to tackle the world. So it's a cool place. We're in progress. We're three months in. We've been working a lot on actually getting it ready. So um, yeah, it's a pretty cool place. I call it the dream factory. It's my dream, but it's going to become a handful of other people's dream as well. So it's a pretty is cool this, space. Is this based off of Rob Dyrdek's dream factory? Well, it's funny Funny you say that, right? So I, when I shared the idea that I had with somebody, they said, it sounds just like Rob Dyrdek. And then I looked him up. So I actually did. You know, when my passion for skateboarding was through the 80s and 90s and then kind of went away from it, right? So I didn't actually realise who it was, but then I looked it up and then I saw that entrepreneur, epic skater, and I was kind of like, yeah, that's it. He's, he's done it. So yeah. modelling a little bit of that. So because, and, and my part of the reason is I think if you've got business or you're starting out in business, you need to have a home, you need to have a place and a space that inspires, you can create from, and you can also execute the things that uh, you need to execute to be successful. So... Just like your, uh, just like your van, hey. Just like the van, yeah, the van. Yeah. <laughs> You're like poking me about that funny van. The van's <laughs> gonna be done. It's nearly done. It is getting epic. Uh, yeah. I, I should have been out in it today. Um, yeah. Just we're not quite there. But you did, did you say you're you're putting a ramp in? There's a ramp going in, so my Tasmanian, so my, my ramp builder is in Tasmania at the moment. Uh, you can follow him on, on Instagram, Ramp Wizard. But he's coming over to build a ramp in here. So I'm pretty psyched about that. But he's over in Tasmania building a park. And then once he's finished, he can get into Victoria. Um, his wife's got to come over and see her mum and he's going to come and build a ramp. So that'll be pretty cool. So tell me it's going to be a surf skate ramp. Have you been well, on have you been on one of the surf skate ramps? Well I'm not sure. Maybe. Maybe. I surfed I went to the ranch two years ago. Kelly Slater his wave pool over in the US and there was a Beside it, there's a one of the, uh, there's a, a bowl, and I think it's one of those things. I stood on the skating, and it's completely different to a normal skating. 
and it's super fun, but you surf around the bowl instead of skating. But no, not one of them's not going in. Just a, just a normal like mini ramp. It might be three foot high with a four foot extension. Um, a spot for the kids to be able to roll in, like for the Grommies who haven't skated before. So um, yeah, super stoked, super stoked. Can be unreal. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I uh, I I'm keen to get back on the ramp. So I did a, a podcast a couple of weeks ago with the dudes from Little Frothers, and he's got a ramp um that the smooth star guys built and put in but yeah. usually out the more in the mornings here uh, a guy named clayton who s- sponsors a lot of surfers and does a lot of surf training uh rabbit bartholomew and his kids are out there he has a ramp just around the corner from me and he's had me on it a few times on the carver and i can't tell you the the difference it made in my surfing just from that one lesson just yeah just realizing that i was still I was trying to ride a shortboard like I used to ride my longboard, like so used to a big deep drop knee turn. And he's like, does your board just fly out from underneath you? Because obviously this thing doesn't weigh much or definitely doesn't need a big deep bottom <laughs> drop knee turn. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> skates out from everywhere. Um, so yeah, I, I reckon you, you need to get some of the surf skates in there if you're going to Yeah, have now you got me thinking. Now you got like, because I've always got these ideas about I'll do this and do that. and Yeah. You know, lots of different ideas. Not that I yeah. need any more ideas or projects at the moment because there's a lot going on. No. Um, but it's good to finally arrive at this place because I think, you know, three years ago when I ended up selling Engage Technology Group, um, I was really on a journey, you could say, of self-discovery, turning 41, going through, you know, experiencing what some people would consider success depending on how you measure that, having sold a business that we started five years earlier with $2,000 each to be turning over 27 million bucks in our fifth financial year is quite significant. And then to go, you know what, I need to go and do something else is like massive change. And I think, you know, a lot of people go through a shift in their kind of like in their 40s and think about life from a different perspective and people have ideas to start a new business or to have a side hustle and try and grow it. So you know, I think it's an interesting time. And yeah, that was a journey it started back then. I was just about, I want to do things and I want to create businesses around my passion, my purpose. And, you know, so many people talk about purpose these days and you sit back and go, well, what does that actually mean? And, you know, I kind of did some work on myself over the years. I've been at IREC and I've been a never ending, continuous piece of work in my entire life. And uh, I'm, I'm glad for some of the challenges that have come up to lead me to the point where I'm at today. But the things that I focus on are out trying to connect with purpose. And if you might be a business owner, really, you know, like three things. What are your values and beliefs? Like, you know, who are you as a person? What are your values and beliefs? What's important to you? What are your beliefs? Like, are they empowering beliefs? Are they disempowering beliefs? Um, and I started this exercise, right? And I sat down with myself and I was like, okay, how am I going to get really clear with what I stand for, what I'm about? And I went into a room. And I sat down with some really inspiring music and sat down and just started writing. And it was like writing all this stuff down, my values and beliefs, my talents, abilities and gifts. Like what talents do I have that no one else in the world's got? Or what abilities do I have? What special gifts that I have? And I just started writing, 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 writing. And I looked into my personality and characteristics and wrote all those down. And I sat there and I was kind of like looking at this bit of paper with all these words on it. And I had these words had so much meaning to me, yet I looked at the life that I was living at the time and I was kind of like, well you're kind of not there. Like you're here, but you believe you're that. And so it became a great starting point for me to, you know, go deeper. And so I was fortunate enough to, you know, explore and travel and adventure around the world and um, do some cool, cool stuff, jumping out of helicopters with my mate Chris McDougall over uh, in Switzerland. We're not with him, but with one of his friends. And I don't know, I just pushed myself to places of being uncomfortable that I'd never been before. And it was really, 
you know, really enlightening and quite a transform transformative process and experience, especially on top of that was going through, you know, the end of a long-term relationship. So, you know, put in perspective, single dad, starting businesses, finishing off another, finishing off a relationship, um, only long-term relationship. So, you know, getting really clear around myself as an individual and I speak so much about purpose and people doing what they're passionate about. Um, and I think it's a great place to start if you're going, about to go and embark on a journey of, of growing a business because it's very easy, I think, you know, with all the noise and the, the conditioning and the advice from different people to actually lose yourself in the process. And if, you know, you've got to ask yourself, what are you actually doing it for? If at the end of it, all you're doing is losing yourself. So, yeah, I like to, you know, if I was to narrow down a, a bunch of stuff into a piece of advice, Joe, that'd be something I think pretty, pretty important as you start out on your business journey. Well, that, I'm just what I'm doing right now is making notes as we go as we go along for things to come back to and times yeah. in, in the podcast for everyone. Yeah, um, cool. What I want to what I want to touch on right what you just said then is what are your top tips for not losing yourself because everything you've talked about is it's almost a mirror image of my own life yeah. uh, and as you mentioned earlier we we um, we met on social media mm. a few years ago and it's it's probably because we were going through similar things at similar times like. I got to, I got there a little bit earlier than you, 38 years old. I was like, what the fuck? Build a business, had the best investors in town, going through all the stuff, then yeah. catalyst of events to ending a 13-year relationship and realizing that ego had been driving uh, and my soul-sucking search for significance was in the driver's seat for uh, what I was doing and how I was behaving and I'd taken on all the programming from the culture skate of what success should look like. Sure. And I started to do the same stuff, values and beliefs, stand for, stand against. Like all of those things you said is like, right. it's what I preach and teach now. Right. But tell me, tell me what, was there something, like I've got a few books that started my, my process that like, then it was like drop, drop, drop. What mm. was it that started your process and how can you help somebody else? Like what's a tool, a tip or advice you could give someone else on how not to lose themselves to either the culture scape or building mm. a business based on ego or out of alignment? Mm. The best way for me to answer that, Jay, would be to go back to 2016. I went on a trip over to uh, New Zealand with my family at the time, my ex-wife and my two kids. And we had a great time and we are riding around the market, Remarkables, and I remember, <laughs> I remember it vividly. I, um, I went up to try and do a trick, a 50-50, which I, I kind of never done before, but I thought, oh, yeah, I'll give it a crack. Anyway, I end up coming off the end and like slamming my head down. Um, actually, it was a 360. It was a 360 end. I came down um, with a rail running this way across the mountain and I end up slamming my head, having concussion and being unconscious for just a few seconds and then came to and then um, ended up being at the hospital, sitting around for like four hours. And um, I remember in the days after that, I realised to myself that I wasn't, you know, as a bloke growing up in the 20s and 30s and 40s, I thought, I've always thought that I was pretty indestructible. And I think it was the fact that I realized that, hey, you know what, there's going to be a time in my life that, you know, it's going to be the end of time. And um, for me, and that might come in like five days, five years, 50 years, I hope like when I'm in my 90s, right? But that, that, that time's coming. And so it was a massive thing for me to realize that. And it was just really confronting. And I think it happened at like an unconscious level. And I can't really put anything down specifically that made me, other than that, that made me think, hey, you know what, one day you're going to die and you know you're not, you're not, uh, indestructible like you've always believed and that was a massive decision and you know at the same time looking at the success we had and you know help what we we're experiencing at the time and the emotions and the feelings of that 
by the end of our fifth year, we were, we were under a lot, a lot of pressure. And for a business that was succeeding and growing really, really quickly, that feeling of pressure and, you know, being trapped and then other stuff going on at home, I think it was enough for me to realise just to be so in touch with myself after maybe not, like just some of those senses coming to life. I think I just started listening more and more to those senses and, and valued those more than um, an outcome or a result. And so I started you know, consciously uh, listening to my unconscious and also my heart more and following that and then leveraging all my skills and beliefs and abilities and all that type of stuff behind my heart to create and manifest uh, businesses. So um, that's the only way I can dialect it at this point of time. Awesome. Really. Awesome. Yeah. So I know you're, a, you're a, con, a constant learner as well. What things help you in this? Have you, is there any books, podcasts, workshops or anything that has helped you along this journey to be able to tap in and, you know, know to sit down and say journal on your values and beliefs or where did that come from? Yeah, so it's a great question. I think, you know, there's so much information out there from so many different people all of the time. And, you know, like for me, it was actually quietening actually quietening my mind and getting less information. What I will pay a tribute to is the counselling and the counsellor, a guy by the name of Bill Van Shee, incredible guy, faith-based counsellor. And I and I worked with him um, on my personal life for a number of times. And also it started actually transitioning across the leadership and, and it was really fascinating. I learned some amazing things through him. So um, through Bill, he shared those simple steps with me. So that was probably those simple steps have made a massive profound discount. Um, difference in the, in the initial points but then from there growing out of it um so i don't know i just follow i just kind of follow what the trends are and what's kind of happening and kind of observe from afar and you know i've got good mentors in my life and you know i think i think the the direct relationship with somebody has lost not lost its lost its way but i think more people if you're starting a business or an entrepreneur should be investing in somebody who's been there done that I think it's great to get information and there's there's a lot of good information out there, but work with somebody who's doing, I think it's important to work with somebody who's doing what you're trying to do. Um, so, yeah. Great. I like, that, I, like, I like the fact you're typing notes. I wish I had somebody typing notes. I know. I like, I should, what I should have done is organised Kay to be just watching live and doing it as we go, but this, this helps yeah. me to pull back. Um, awesome. So with that, yeah. You, we hear all the time, like you should get mentors and um, also coaches. Like if you want to improve in anything, getting a coach yeah. is what's going to do it. But I probably fell into this trap um, when I was younger of, I never really had a like proper mentor. So I never knew how to go and get them. And I kind of had to figure it out. And I didn't have any necessarily any influences in my life family wise or or friends to to seek out the business advice from yeah and yeah. then I gathered a couple later on and I took them more out of ego because they offered rather than um being conscious about it can you give any tips about how you find the right mentors how you seek them out or just anything around selecting because I do believe oh. you're some of the five people you spend the most time with and yeah and you've got to be really considerate of your input because like you said there's so much noise mm, and the agenda mm, associated with it so can you give any mm. any advice around that mm, i can try to share from experience so my first mentor would have to be uh, my first boss uh, quite an incredible guy and it's funny you know like he didn't just teach me about business he you know i you know i had a great i had, I had a pretty good childhood and then at the age of um 15 mum and dad divorced and 
from that point in my life, I was really looking for a male in my life to look up to. And it's funny how I found a role model or a mentor in my first, uh, my first boss in IT, which is, and he started a surf business called Barlin and created Barlin leg ropes way back. Oh, in the wow. Day. I know so, that. You know, and Clean Ocean Foundation, he started that. And so like, you know, so um, he was my first mentor and I, I met him through just life. And the thing is, I, what I saw in him was a lot like I aspired to be what he was like. That, so that was how I found him. So there's somebody who you aspire to live your life like. So he's surfing all the time. He was working flexibly. Yeah. He was traveling all the time. So I looked at it, I gravitated to that. Then my second mentor was uh, one of the managers I had who was over in the US. Um, and I had a tech business at this point. He was mentoring me. He had a background leading teams at IBM. So he had a strong corporate background. Um, and he gave great advice, but he gave me great advice in situations that I was in. It was kind of like, you know, what do I do here? I'm stuck here. And then I'd go to him and then he'd give me advice for a specific situation that I might be in, where Pete, on the other hand, was more about the way of life he was living and how he'd go about life to get create the outcome. So that would be, you know, an example of how another type of way you can get a, a mentor and for specific different reasons. Then there's been the counsellors who I've seeked out, actively seeked out when I've actually had a problem. So relationship challenges, which I think if anyone's in a relationship, um, most most people have relationship challenges because I don't know any relationships <laughs> that are without them because challenges are across everything. So, but I actively looked him out and I actually asked other people, who do you recommend would be great to support me through this challenge I've got type of thing. And so somebody referred that person and this was for my, for my, you know, we think about referrals and that type of thing in a business setting, but I got a referral for you know, personal stuff. So I met um, Bill that way. So, and then like um, Brett Davis, who's an incredible guy in the surfing community, done some amazing things with Christian Surfers International and started that out of his uh, house in Cronulla. I spent time with him once a year over on the North Shore uh, and, he, and he, mentor, he mentors me unofficially, um, but just through conversation and asking questions about, you know, things that are um, going on in life or challenges I might have. And he gave me some really good advice, some really, really good advice about mentorship. Probably the best I've heard, and I've never heard anyone else speak of it before. He said, if you're going through life, you'd be really well placed if you've got somebody, you know, 10 to 15 years ahead of you who can provide you with guidance and advice. So somebody in front of you. He also said, if you can go through life with somebody walking beside you around the same age, um, you'd be really, really well-placed around all the challenges in life. And if you've also got somebody who's following you and you're a mentor to them, like 10 years maybe down the track, he said you'd be really well-placed to navigate you know, your challenges through life and also be in a position to help other people. And, you know, when I heard that, I really, really, really resonated because I've never heard anybody say that. And yeah. you know, there's a lot of people talking about mentorship and, and training and all that type of stuff. But when he said that, I was like, wow, it was quite profound. It had a significant impact. You know, I've got, I've actually got, yeah. every time I speak of his knowledge, it's quite incredible. So he's, he's an incredible man. I love those. I've never, I, I've never heard that either. And it Amazing. makes perfect, perfect sense to me. Um, and I probably, yeah, it probably does relate to advice that you given, get given for life in general, isn't it? Like having someone, someone to follow, someone to, to walk beside and yeah. someone to lead. And yeah. then you can switch into those roles as well uh, in terms of the, the seeker, uh, the partner and the leader. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Like, I love that. And even with like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a father of two kids and I've got my, my kids' photos up where I work. 
And then I've also got a photo of myself at, when I was younger at the same age next to them, just to remind, remember what you're like at this age. Do you know what I mean? Because as a father, we can we want to lead and mentor and encourage and at times yeah. push, you know, but at times we've got to sort of sit back. So I think the same in mentoring in business or seeking a mentor. So I hope some of those stories or experiences that I've had can uh, get you thinking about different ways or different types and uh, ways you can find mentors and also you know, carefully maybe consider some people around you in your community who you can approach and have a conversation. Most people, when they get asked to be a mentor, will say yes. Um, so, yeah. Beautiful. And for you, what defines, what's the difference between a mentor and a coach? <sighs> I'm, I've, got a co I've got a diploma in coaching. I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you the difference between a coach and a mentor. I couldn't tell you. I don't, I, I get, yeah. I don't know. You tell me. What is the difference between a mentor and a coach? Well, this is, again, it's very subjective. Um, oh. But a lot of people that I come across, they the difference they see is a mentor is or, or a mentee is someone that's not paid and a coach okay. is someone you, you have on hire. Okay. So there's an engagement and there's sort of a set of outcomes and there's some um, and, and more that you would go for the, the specific things and the, and the detail that you're looking with. Uh, whereas a mentor is, is more of, yeah, there, there's more that personal connection. It's not, and it's less defined and it is more that re, um, not reactive, but I'm not sure if the right words available either. Uh, more unofficial, unofficial? unofficial, more, a bit more yeah. personal. Yeah. 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 It has that, um, that little bit more personal, side of things um yeah. sometimes they have some skin in the game or like it's working to could be even working towards a passion project like it may not be like there's a, a direct connection but there's that other level and the the energy exchange is not just monetary oh okay yeah yeah it's um it's, I've, I've mentored coach whatever whatever you want to call it um a number of different people around business <laughs> the conversations always lead to personal because it's the beliefs and everything else, the yeah. values are un underpinning everything from their it's, childhood and working with all that type of stuff that's, you know, um, can be holding the person back on the surface. So, um, yeah, but nothing to find per se around the arrangement as you like. Although, you know, like, yeah, I like the way um, language that it makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think with a mentor, they they usually it's it's not really a defined time frame either where you can go for a coach that's going to get you through a specific stage of business or a yeah. particular thing like if you're playing sport like to you know for your for your sprinting like when i played football i had a sprint coach a weight coach yeah. an offense coach a defense coach a touch football coach <laughs> like yeah everyone yeah. had their their specialty um oh. whereas a, a mentor might be that um longer yeah less, less defined yeah, because I get so many, I get, I get a lot of people who I'm in mentorship relationship with and it's not defined and structured, um, mm. but they can call or direct, send me a direct message and I'll yeah. always be available to, to help and listen. A lot of people, a lot of people just need somebody who knows how to listen well. Yes. Hold space, listen so that you can feel heard and actually feel safe to get the words out, the venting sometimes mm. or the processing. You know, when you're processing uh, a business idea, you just need somebody else to 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 roll it through. Yeah. Why didn't somebody tell me that? Why didn't somebody mentor me when I was younger around 
um, to do that in a relationship. That would have been oh, really good Wouldn't it? Wouldn't Not it? Like, you know, what do we teach at school? Come on. I know. Let's let's touch that for a second. Okay. What would be what would yeah. be your number one relationship tip? Gee, this is you. How can somebody? So, so I'll answer it this way. When I got separated and then divorced, you, you, you know, there's this you're kind of like it's not catchable being a divorcee. People will approach you and think and talk to you differently. They treat you differently. It's like you've got coronavirus. It's, I'm not joking. <laughs> I'm not joking. People like all of a sudden look down, like look down on you. People you might have known for a long period of time. Oh, cool. Like I'm like, wow. Um, my one piece would be one one piece of relationship advice would be just be honest and truthful and that's you know like one thing i reckon if you can just do that i reckon that's the most important thing yeah i think that lesson for life but what do you think what do you think stops people from being open and truthful where do you mm. think that stems from well i can only talk through my own experiences and i think you know like you know not every taking 100% responsibility for everything in my life, you know, during relationships, I, I think you get to invest in the relationship and you withdraw in the relationship. And I think sometimes you consciously do both and then sometimes you unconsciously do both, right? And I think there's got to be a level of, you know, creating a space where the other person can be uh, listened to, they feel safe, they feel valued, they feel like you really love and care about them. And, you know, like the, st the stuff that we don't get taught in school and we've got to kind of make our own way about is, mm -hmm. um, yeah, probably the, some of the stuff that I reckon is really, really important. Um, yeah, just creating that space and being able to talk things through. Um, you know, I think not everything has to be solved then and there. And sometimes things need to probably ebb and flow a little bit to find a, a nice common ground to settle, thing, settle, settle things at. And, I don't know, and just try to put yourself in the other shoe, other other person's shoes a little bit more is probably the things that I've learned the most through my experience. Um, yeah, so, but I mean, there's so many different contexts and, you know, from a business perspective, I'd probably say, you know, the, the following thing, I'll probably give these pieces of advice. It'd be kind of like, you've got to manage your own energy. So you've got enough energy when you, you are with social or with your partner that you've got enough energy for them. And so often, um, we can put all of our eggs in the one basket, whether it be starting a business and put all our eggs in that basket thinking that's, you know, you, as, especially as a man, as a, as a, you know, as society will have this as a quote unquote, a provider, you know, the pressures of providing, um, raising kids, being a good partner, good, being a loving husband at times, if you're putting everything into business, you can be left pretty flat at the end of a week and not have anything left. And I know in the dynamics of my relationship that I was in, it was very much, I could go like a hundred miles an hour, which is the only way I know. Well, I've learned, I've, I've learned through lockdown to not go at hundred miles an hour. I've kind of been forced to, but go a hundred miles an hour during the week, get to Friday and I'd be dead and on my feet and just want to recharge. And then um, the, the mother of my kids, she's like ready to go out. She's been home with the kids and she's ready out to go and recharge socially. So it's kind of like, you know, yeah, my ex-husband used to say it's not fair. I get the cardboard version of Jade. Right. Yeah. And I'd yeah. like be so offended. He's right. like everyone. Everyone else gets the sparkle and the glamour and the yeah. like. Go 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 go. And for a big chunk of our relationship, I'd had a car accident. Um, actually going to going to meet with Billabong. Um, so I was on my way on my way to meet Billabong. It was like a really big deal for me. 
and yeah. the taxi smacked into another taxi doing 60 and then we got smacked into again without braking and it really screwed my neck up and I was able to get through the day I just pound my way through a day yeah like 12 yeah. hours 13 hours and then I'd come home and I would have eaten eight to ten panadine ports just to get through and then it was just like vague city like yeah. all the goodness got used up or a weekend or any opportunity that you have you ever found this like most a lot of people get sick when they go on holidays or yeah. or super healthy people retire and then they die yeah when they relax yeah you know yeah yeah and the longer you you perpetuate that cycle the worse the the illness or the crashes so i was just like i could slam my way through a week and then it was just like yeah it's actually really sad it's actually really sad like i reckon it's sad because people aren't aware you know and there's good people doing good things trying to you know make their way and I remember certain certain scenarios in my life in different stages, you know, I was back against the wall providing for family, providing for kids, and you're going out there to try to do your best, you know, like, and and I think anybody who has their own business, you're stepping out in a plank um, and you're out there on your own. There's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to hide. There's no one else who's going to take responsibility for your stuff unless you make it happen, right? Yeah. So it's it's kind of sad that, you know, I guess there's, there's more encouragement and conditioning and programming for society and everyone else to go hustle, 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 hustle. Oh yeah, I ate Gary V for breakfast every friggin' day, but <laughs> 5 a.m. club, Gary. Yeah, yeah. Grind like wore the sleep deprivation was a badge of honor amongst yeah, like, yeah. our circle of entrepreneurs. Like yeah. pissing contest over who could like sleep the least and like just grind the yeah. like not conducive to And that's important though. That's important though. It's so bad it's about having a level of self-awareness to be able to understand yourself. And that's why I come back to the um, the values and beliefs, the personal and characteristics, the talents, abilities, and gifts, because you've got that as you, and then you've got your business life, and you, you know, like you jump into your business world and you and you go and execute and you and you do what you do there, and then it's like, okay, the same application that goes into my business life, you know, what's time to switch gears and, and change that? I need to apply that into my personal life as well, and switching that switch ain't so easy, and uh, that's no. where. So and getting away and adventuring and traveling and different things have um, really, really helped me. But you know what the one thing's really helped me, Jade? And it's, I've learned it through the last six months of being down here in Melbourne and being quite restricted, you could say, in my movements is I started another tech company back in April the 1st and, you know, building that from scratch, going into... <laughs> I'm not even going to use the words. I could say fake pandemic, falsified pandemic. Yeah. Uh, coronavirus is real, very real for sure. Um, but so going into this period, this six-month period, I just was like, you know what? I'm going to try and grow a business in these restricted periods in a shit economy and mm -hmm. do it from a place of compassion, understanding, empathy, not trying to do it go too fast. And in the last six months, um, if I look back to the other tech company I started, we've done, I've done more in the last six months in terms of if you, if you use gross revenue as an indicator for success, we've done more, I've done more in the last six months than I did in the first six months of that other tech company mm -hmm. in a normal world, you know, and I look yep. back and I think about some of the times I've had, you know, deadlines to get campaigns out, like marketing campaigns out, EDMs, working with vendors and that type of stuff. And at times where things haven't gone as fast or as the fashion that I would have liked, in the past, I would have like got on the front foot, been quite not not aggressive, but forceful to get things done. 
And this time I've taken the approach of, okay, there's a person behind the reason this hasn't got done. And I know right now that people in Melbourne are going through some really challenging times. So rather than try to force an outcome, I'm going to focus on serving and supporting them personally. And that's been the approach. And that it's amazing what I've learned is the fact that I don't need to do that strategy anymore of being forceful and can grow a business and still be successful and still grow up fast and still do it, but in a much more uh, conscious way, not only to those around me, but also to myself. And mm. uh, I've learned a lot about patience. And if you show up every day, you don't need to go at hundred miles an hour, just keep showing up every day. Um, and, you know, look after yourself through the process and the results will manifest as well. Um, so I've learned a lot. It's been really cool, actually. That's super cool. Tell me though, how do you, what's some of the tips and tools that you use to be able to do that? So there's often a lot of fear, like sometimes, oh, interesting, uh, judgment upon yourself of when you're not grinding and not pushing at the hundred percent, if you're not where you're already yeah. at, how yeah. do you, how do you learn to, to trust the process? Yeah. And um, yeah. Awesome. Awesome question. Um, somebody just walked past. Oh, you're on the beach. It's cool. Oh Good yeah. Um, got some surfers coming up there. Yep. <laughs> so I had to learn. So I had to learn through doing to to be to be totally truthful, Jade. You know, it, at the moment, I just through working so hard over the first three months to get things off the ground. It was kind of like far out. I can't sustainably do keep doing this at this rate. And it was kind of like, okay, next Thursday, I'm going to not work at all. Well, it was just like, I'm just not going to work at all. That's kind of like, I'm like, holy shit, imagine that. And then I'll think about, okay, what about if any quote opportunity, quote requests come through from prospects or clients? And I'll think about the emails I've got to respond to. Then I'll think about the team if they email me and need some, some support or some guidance. And it was like, yeah, it doesn't matter. And so I literally had to go a day and not actually respond and not actually do anything. And it's funny, I, I put, put everything down. And I was trying to force a few other things that I'm working on at the moment as well in terms of projects I'm working on. I was going, you know what? I'm kind of sick of trying to force things and I'm just going to let it be and I'll just see what happens. And so, you know, so I did that. And then it wasn't, it wasn't long after that, like about three days later, a purchase order came in. Now it was off the back of the work I'd done, admittedly, but I also believe that um, it was creating space just for, for, for the world to play out, you know, we're all connected. Um, sounds a bit tree huggerish, hippie-ish, whatever, but we're all connected. Everything's energy. Um, and it's okay just to sit back and, you know, the world's not going to, well, the world didn't come crumbling down. Well, it hasn't yet in Melbourne, but it was just a, a good reference point for me to be like, you know what? You don't have to go like a cat cat every single day. And again, my, my friend, Brett, he said some very, very good words to me when over in Hawaii in January and it was sick an epic swell came through but he said to me we know that you can burn brightly we know that you can burn brightly what's most important this time is for you to burn for a long period of time and um, yeah he's a wise man it's um you know so so when you have people in your life speaking these little truths in little metaphors I, I hear his voice when I'm going so hard so being able to let go not respond to something so quickly to not have to think about getting up to create content for social media for LinkedIn and knowing that business can still happen, knowing that um, if the quote doesn't go out today or within a two hour response time and it goes out within a four hour response time, it'll still be okay. So 
just yeah. to lessen the, the standards, I guess, um, that I like to hold myself to. And I found by doing that, it um, makes it easier for myself, but others around me too, which is pretty yeah. cool. Well, I think one of the things that I found with running the three businesses I ran before this was yeah. actually in my ex-husband's wisdom, he kept telling me that I run so much faster than everyone else and then they'll, they'll all die. Um, <laughs> and you're holding people to the same, like especially team members, trying to hold team members to the same um, energy level and standard as you only sets yourself up for disappointment and also set them up for unhappiness. And when you think about the different um, types of person you need within your business and the way they operate, often the business owner, the visionary is the, I don't know if you've done the wealth dynamic stuff, Roger James Hamilton's um, profiling, but it's, the, it's what I work with within performance and flow consulting. So if, often the, the visionaries are like a creator, dynamo energy or a star and they're used to being upfront. They're used to being high energy. They used to be big picture. They're used to running really, really fast. And, you know, they're pretty okay to take risks and stuff like that. But if we had a whole company full of those people, no shit would get done. And it certainly wouldn't get done very well. <laughs> what a mess. There'd be a mess, a mess everywhere. <laughs> but if you think about like, if you have a dynamo energy, um, who's like head in the clouds, big picture, not really detail orientated, like just boom all the time. Yeah. They need someone who's grounded and it's got the timing and the detail and you know the calming in their in their opposite. So if you try and flog them like you flog yourself or just how you run yourself, they they're just they're not going to be able to keep up. They're not going to do the job the same and they're not going to be happy. And it's like, okay, well, understanding what actually we're not all the same. We're like how we get into flow is not how necessarily our team gets into flow and figuring out, you know, when do you have to give time and space? Like I've got an amazing friend who's a project manager and she is that, that tempo energy. And the best thing to do if you want great work from her is to actually just allow her to take some time off. She has to stop. She needs to introvert. She needs to think and she needs the space to see the dots. Whereas if she just keeps grinding, she can get work done but she could have got you a result that was 10 times better. Yeah. Wow. Do you know what I mean? Like she could maybe tick the boxes and get it done, but if you actually yeah. let her to be her genius, what you would get in response is 10 times better. Mm. And I think, yeah. I think that's a really hard trait as a business owner to recognize that, especially those people, I keep pointing to the top of our, the top of our, because they can be quite, seems quite egotistical because it's like their idea and their vision and they don't understand why other people don't get it. And you describe me, you describe me pretty well, like in terms of that that type of person. But like, you know, like you've asked and you said to me, like I'm 44 in a few weeks, but you know, as a 35 year old, I had very much had that ego driving, 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 driving. And now it's like nine years on from there, it's different. It's it's a it's a level of awareness now, which I think is really profound. Um, and I think so far, because I'm always learning, but so far, it's knowing when to apply your skills, your talents, your abilities and gifts and knowing when to pull back and you can't always be going, you know, sometimes slow is fast. <laughs> Most yeah. of the time, slow is fast because, and even for myself, I can go and flog and flog myself and flog myself 
when I say that, go through the repetition and the discipline. You know, if it's punching out sales calls, meeting heaps of people, I can do that. I can do that very, very easily. I want to get into my consciousness and create and inspire and have ideas manifest out of myself that are going to provide more value for that group that I'm serving. Then I need to create the space in my life for that. If it's still, if it's showing up every day to to turn the wheel on the machine to get the, the output at the end, that machine doesn't allow for a lot of creativeness, consciousness, intuitiveness, spirit, and energy to come out. You know, it's yeah. You, know, you don't allow the space for the for the universe to give the downloads. Yeah. Oh, it's sick. Be an idea through to fruition to to get the actual mm. input. For some mm. reason, while we were talking through that, um, um one of um, Roger James Hamilton, who I do some work with in Bali, he he says you've got to slow down to speed up. But I was reminded of, have you been to Sandown? Like, obviously, you're in Melbourne. Have you been to Yeah, Sandown? I've been to Sandown, yeah. I've had a horse race there. I've ridden oh. my bike around that track. I've been to the V8 supercar there. It's nice. not far down the road, actually. Well, when I first, so I bought my Lotus when I lived in Melbourne. And yeah. so I, I took it to the track and um, had the Lotus Cup guys and some of the supercar guys give instruction. And the like you know that that bottom hairpin, like you've come through the chicane, like come up the yeah. turn one, and you're about to come through, ready to hit that back straight. If you try to come through that chicane at the same speed, there is no way you're gonna clock like your two you know, 250 Ks to 90Ks on the back straight. So you've got to slow down to speed up. So it's knowing when to downshift to get through, mm. where to take the right line, where to take the time to see the line before you really hit it. Yeah. Otherwise you end up doing what I did with poor Alan Simonson. And uh, he, he went to correct, correct my line just as I thought I should accelerate through the uh, first yeah. turn at the bottom of the front straight. Yeah, we went, we went for a little spin. And that, slowed, <laughs> that slowed our track time down. Also <laughs> resulted in Alan needing a lie down afterwards. Because um, <laughs> was the car? That was fine. It's going, yeah, it's pretty good. Wide open paddocks. There's no tire walls or anything. <laughs> no, oh, although uh, another Lotus punched a wall uh, on the other side, and yeah, that that wasn't great for them. Um, yeah. But Alan said he usually when he's got girls, they don't accelerate through the corner. They he has time to correct their line. As not like me, which yeah wants to just. I was oh, like, I'm like trying to go through the gears as fast as I possibly can. I'm like. Like I'm trying to wind it right out to red, then shifting. He's like, right, I've got new rules for you. <laughs> yeah, you're trying to win the world world joy championship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, like it was, a, I had I um I'd had my hand in bandages, this hand in bandages for um, uh like six weeks beforehand, so I hadn't actually even been driving stick. Um, so it was like the first time in my car driving for six weeks as well. I was like, just like punch it as hard as you can. <laughs> um, I just lost, um, camera battery. Just hang there for a second. It says EOS webcam utility. I think we've, um, battery change. Yeah. Battery change. I, um, I, th I think I told you earlier that I, uh, I've been going for, I don't know how many hours we're up to now. Um, solid so i do i do tend to train, drain a battery as we go through um but i think that, that they're good really good metaphors for business life and really thinking about you know when's the right time to to slow down to speed up and what what makes sense like where do you where do you cut corners where don't you cut corners and um it's so many analogies and puns that we can we can draw from that side of things right absolutely you did that well that was good 
Oh, yeah. Bang, and we're back. <laughs> okay. Um, so now I've got a little bit off track. Um, what I do want to do is circle back, though, to yeah. the lessons you learned and your ultimate decision to sell Engage and how that, how oh, that yeah. all meshed together with you now doing more business on purpose and in alignment. Great question. So how's this? How did I go? How did I leave a tech company to follow my purpose and passion to discover that and then end up with another tech company? I, oh, it blows my mind. I can't believe it. It's um, so all I can do is tell you how it happened. And it kind of like it was weird. So I left, left Engage. I knew at the time was we going through the process of selling the business, which went from. So after the after the accident in New Zealand, I came back. I sat down with Joe and said, "Hey, mate, I need to get out of this business." And he goes, "What do you mean?" I go, "I just needed to go do something else." He said, "Let's go for two more years. We'll build it up. We'll build up major services. Get more contracts. We'll be able to sell it for more." So we had that conversation. It's June 2016, um, and we made that decision. Anyway, two weeks later, we get later we get approached by um, Cirrus Networks, and then that began the eight month process to sell the business. So within well, two weeks, and so I'm like. All right, and, and so you're about to, so going through that process was like, oh my goodness, somebody wants to buy a business, I can't believe it. And it's like, holy shit, this is wicked, this is sick. It was like, but what am I going to do next? And what if I, and then you start thinking about like, well, what am I going to do next? And it started like, well, all I wanted to do then and there at the time was to make a sick adventure, kind of like mini documentary snowboarding film. So I um, met of this course. guy. You, of course, like who doesn't want to do that shit? <laughs> And so I met a guy, a guide, a mountain guide over in New Zealand that, that when I knocked myself out and I hit him up, I sent him a message, go, hey, mate, I want to come to Canada because that's where he's from. I want to come to Canada and make a movie. I go, I reckon we'll need a videographer, a couple of mountain guides, and I'll bring me and a mate. Um, and so that's all I was doing. So I started off, did that, came back. Whilst I was over there, everything got signed, sealed and delivered. A few extra O's appear in the bank account online and then you end up just spending that money and paying stuff off. And, and, and there's like, so I went down the coast, I went down to Bells, I've got a place down at Janjak, not far away from there. And nice. the Rick Curl probably was on. It was like, okay, I've just sold my business. I don't have to speak to anyone. I don't have to, you know, the email stop, the phone call stop. I was kind of like, sit here and I go for surf and then hang out with the family. And I thought, oh, this is good. And it's kind of like, you know, one week goes past, and I go, oh, this is great. Two weeks go past, oh, yeah. And then third week goes past, and I'm like, fuck, I'm getting bored. What am I going to do now? And so I remember I wrote an article, and I posted it on LinkedIn. And then the next day I posted something else, and the next day I posted something else. And it was all the, the things that were going on in my mind at the moment, sharing my story pretty vulnerably. And so I did that, and then I started doing a little bit of mentoring, and then I hosted a workshop, and then it got to... September 2017 and I went over to the US and had a family trip and so while I'm over there I was end up watching the, the baseball at San Francisco Giants were playing and I got tagged in on a Facebook post right it said business for sale and the business for sale was Bell Surf Wax so here I am here I am I'm watching, watching this baseball game I'm sitting there on my phone I've got tagged and I'm like I looked over to my wife at the time I go I'm gonna buy. I'm gonna buy a business, and she goes, "Can't you just watch the like the game?" And then, <laughs> just watch, watch the, the game. game. And I and I go and I go, "Yeah, okay." Anyway, she goes, "Like in about half an hour, she goes, yeah, that sounds like a great idea." And I like, so I replied, I replied, "Yep, I'm interested. How much do you want?" Blah 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 blah. Anyway, within within half an hour, I'd agreed to a deposit, the amount, and that I'd settle it when I came back. So, 
you know, I started this venture kind of business called the Future Phase, and then over in, in that same year, in October 2017, and it was for less than $10,000, right? I bought Bell Surf, Bell Surf Wax and I've spent and invested in that product and taken to the market. And then- I can't know, wait to get mine. I know, tomorrow there's a batch coming. Um, and so I was doing that and then, it, then I got to 2018 and then all of a sudden, me and the ex-wife are going separate ways. And it's kind of like, shit, I didn't see that coming. That wasn't part of the plan, you know? I was selling the business, spend more time with family. But that's what happened. And so we, we've gone different ways. It's 2008 and I'm like, holy shit. And then, you know, the implications of that, you know, the arrangements, fortunately, we have like, we've done it really, really well. But, you know, obviously my family home, I, you know, went to my ex and um, the cash that we had um, that got used through the process. And so here I was again, like, fuck, I've got to rebuild. Like, fuck, I've got to rebuild from. And so I've got some assets and properties, but they were mortgaged as well. So, you know, like, how am I going to do this? And then I got to 2018, the end of 2018, and I've got to say, um, I was I was gone. I was like, you know, I've gone to the doctors. I said, hey, I'm struggling. He diagnosed me with depression. He's given me um, antidepressants. Um, and I went home that night, all right, and then had one and then went for a surf the next day and I'd had one and I felt, didn't feel very good. And um, my mate said to me, what was it like surfing? I go, you know what? It didn't feel very good. It was like I couldn't feel it was like I couldn't feel and I was like, no way can I keep taking these? Like, so I went back, threw them in the bin in a 2008 and go, you know what? Walked up to the mirror and I said, right, up to you to take total responsibility and accountability for everything in your life. You know, if you're going to go, if you're going to, if you're going to go out and um, let's let loose um, and drink and carry on, you know, you're not helping yourself, you know, you've got to take responsibility. So um yeah it was the end of 2018 I said you know what I'm just going to show up every day do my best be a good human and then kind of did that 2019 that kept going on the bell stuff kept percolating along uh ended up taking you know Melbourne United basketball team away on, a, on an experience down the coast and so um really combining all the passions and then shred for life the little little not-for-profit it's been manifesting that's going to come out of here and then I got to the start of this year and I've got all these little projects on the go and then it's like I had two guys approach me and they said, have you ever thought about starting another technology company? And you're like, I go, oh, yeah, no, not really. I haven't really given much thought. I'm doing a little bit at the moment, consulting and mentoring. It's going okay. I'm enjoying it. Anyway, next next week, nothing more of it. Next week, playing golf. I said the same thing. I said, hey, we really want to start this tech company. We want you to lead it. Um, we want you to you take it off the ground. And I was like, I was like, okay. So I sat back. I'm like, let me think about it. And so I sat back and thought about it and spoke to a good friend of mine and spoke to a couple other people. And it was kind of like, you know what? This could be really, really good. good. I've been in tech for 20 years, 20 years. I was like, you know what? This could be a great opportunity to not only go and provide value and awesome service and tech solutions um, in enterprise and SME space, but what a great opportunity and vehicle to spread the message that you've been sharing so much around, around, you know, like, you know, leadership and self-improvement in that community that you got got experience in and then introducing some of these programs through the future phase and the adventure and leadership stuff. And then it was kind of like, but then there's corporate people in the network who'd be interested in contributing to make a difference in teenagers. And so it just made this real commercial sense to do it at the time. And um, the world going into, well, Australia and Melbourne going down into this lockdown, I, we made the decision. Oh, I can go that. surfing. What's that? <laughs> yeah yeah but this all happened like between january and march like you know i just come back from a trip it was kind of like 
and we made the decision and the guy said to me, um, do you still want to do it? And I said, yeah. And so literally April 1st, I got 50% share in another tech company. I own Bell Surflax. I own the future phase. I got a not-for-profit starting out of here. And I'm like, how has this happened? And then like, I had to self-check myself when, the, when it came up around the tech side of things. And I was, hang on, mate, you said, you thought that you were leaving tech because you couldn't handle the corporate world. What I learned, in fact, it wasn't that at all. It was a failing relationship that I couldn't keep going the pace that I was going without somebody supporting and serving and encouraging. And it wasn't the tech at the end of the day. It was the failing relationship and the, my decisions to put myself in situations where it conflicted my values that would, were making me miserable in life. And so I had to come full circle. Uh, it spins myself up and I've never been happier working in business I feel so so fulfilled. And I think, you know, looking back at Engage, I would have gone and pursued other projects, but because I was in a partnership with somebody else, mm. um, I was committed to that partnership in business. So I don't know. It's quite bizarre. A lot of people have said to me, you know, BV, good things happen to good people. And um, I definitely help a lot of people and definitely uh, contribute and make a lot of people's lives better. And I'm going to continue to do that. And that was part of the reason for creating some of the businesses to to be able to help people in business and enrich their lives and businesses. And I don't know, I think the universe, if you're a good person, you go do good things you take accountability for your fuck ups and you do the work and uh, you share openly with authenticity and vulnerability. I think you're going to go pretty far in life and business. So um, yeah, that's how I've come full circle. Love it. So now just talk me about setting up this new business and how, what are some of the, t- things that you've really thought about maybe thought about differently to things before like have you sat down and done a different style of planning or thought about your vision mission and values or what what things are you doing different now that you've got the hindsight and now that you've awakened and become a little bit more conscious great question i'm a build and develop kind of guy and business plans and me we don't really see eye to eye um however in saying that a business plan doesn't necessarily have to be a business plan. It could be a few words scribbled up on the wall here. Yep. You know, it could be a couple of things written down on a bit of paper, which I've actually got upstairs is like butcher's paper, one page. Here's our plans for Engage. Um, so in terms of planning for this business, very, very loose. You wanted to build and develop it and grow. But I think what was important is ensuring that we've got the fundamentals in place. Um, you know, number one, putting in the foundations and putting in the systems and the applications that you're going to run your business on. Number two, what are, the, what, are the, what are the products or services you're going to actually go to market with? What can you deliver today? What might you want to be delivering tomorrow? You know, who do you need to strategically partner up with? Which vendors are you going to go to market with? Is there any partnerships or, or value-added services you can go to market with? And then it's okay, let's look at marketing, let's look at brand, you know, like you know, what look and feel do you want your brand to have based on what's in the marketplace in that sector at the moment? A lot of the organizations are they are they very corporatized? Are they very, you know, very plain? Like how are you gonna cut through? How are you gonna be different? And then it's kind of like, all right, what are your values? What do you stand for? If if you know you speak about tech, for myself, I'm not a technical technical person, but I've got an amazing network with lots of amazing technicians and people around that can leverage off. So it's about thinking about and crafting your story in such a way that's really authentic, but it speaks to your value that you can actually add and the problems you can solve. And then it's like, all right, how are you going to deliver that? Like, you know, how can you deliver all these thoughts and ideas that you might have crafted out? How are you actually going to deliver it? How are you going to go to market? So really important, you know, an EDM, having a market, an email marketing strategy, you know, what social media platforms are you going to use? You know, what segment are you going to target? Are you going to go after the enterprise space, like organisations that are 500 plus, or are you going to stick to 
you know, the 10 to 20 seats. It's all these different things. And it's okay, what message do they need to hear? What challenges have they got? And then just implementing, implementing some of the key core things like marketing plan. We talk about plan opt, we talk about actions, you know, posting on a regular basis on your channels, um, ensuring there's a um, ADMs go out on a regular basis, direct sales, who's in your network, who are you going to target? Have you created a short list of the businesses you want to do business with? What are their challenges? What, what keeps them awake at night? And start building a relationship and start speaking to different people and just get energetic and get action and start like measuring your, your productivity each day and not necessarily based on your result, but based on your input. Because if you show up enough days in a row over a period of time, the results aren't all going to come straight away. But once that lag period catches up, the results are going to come in, they're going to come in quick. And, you know, month four of uh, Tectify, I don't think we've done much business, maybe, I don't know, 23,000. And then month six, we've done over $330,000. And it's uh, by showing up every single day during a lockdown and uh, having a good team who are owning and taking responsibility for their actions as well and creating and fostering that culture that we can achieve and we can do it together and helping people as they go through some of the fears they might have, some of the limiting beliefs and really leading them into a spaces where they can taste a little bit of success or break through a little bit of uh, a boundary condition they may have. They're all the kind of things I'm thinking about when I'm about to go to market and, and build out a new business. So there's a lot there that, you know, if you can focus on two or three of those and do them really well, then yeah, and you can build on that in steps four, five, and six. I love that. So let's dive just a little bit more, a little bit more deeply, a little deeper, a little deeper. Let's go deeper. deeper. Let's go. On culture. So what I loved and what I heard there is like you're helping people understand their limiting beliefs, really tapping into that side of things as well, their fears, because a lot of time people can't show up because there's, there's something holding them back as well. But talk to me through a little bit about how you, how would you describe your company culture? And how did you cultivate it? How do you curate it? And how do you replicate it? It's been the biggest challenge I've ever had is to put together a team that are all virtual. I've never had to do it before. Everybody's working from different uh, environments. And at start, I was petrified, like Jade, like because I love to walk into my workplace, energy, 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 energy. At home, chilled, recharged. But in my work, I'm like, and I like being able to walk up to somebody, have a chat. I like to, you know, hey. Yeah. My, my energy rubs off on people and I know that. And so then they get more energetic. So, but I haven't been able to do it. So it's been, I actually think to be fair, I actually don't think I've done that good a job. Like, honestly, I think everyone's going through challenging times. So to build a culture at the moment, I've been really mindful to not put too much burden on people with screen time. I've get, I get a lot of meetings and like from different people and they want to make it about a screen, a screen, a screen. And, and I'm like, you know, this is awesome because we're having a video chat and recording it. But I'm like, they, they all automatically sending video in, uh, conferencing stuff. I'm like, people are spending more and more time to the device. We actually want to be getting them away from them as much as we can. So if it doesn't need to be a video call, don't make it a video call, just a quick message or a quick email. Like, so getting lean, getting simple with the actions um i think it's one one thing that i've done well and also encouraging the team just to you know go for a walk i think of andrew he's down at fairhaven beach he's um, 29 years old he's done a security degree um it's his first real opportunity to to throw himself into an organization and he's very very green so so green and so he's come so far in six months and i'm so proud of him but just giving him the time personally just to have a chat just have a chat like he enjoys me just having a chat and 
you know what's funny? Like I've actually really enjoyed just chilling because I get really personal in terms of really get to know the people I work with, and it's like he's been making me laugh. And a twenty-nine year guy, you know, works. You know, like if you think about from his perception, I I, I try to bust this this myth and. I go, there's only hierarchies here for one reason, Andrew, and it's so that when I need to make decisions that you can follow them and we and we can execute what we do. But you know, at the end of the day, we're all equal. Like so and when he hears this and I have these conversations with him, he like it empowers him, you know. And then and then so he cracking jokes and I'm having a laugh because some of the jokes with him and, and I'm helping him with some different stuff. And you know, there's a whole there's a bunch of quotes and stuff that need to be done now. And he's he's doing that already within six months and I haven't had that face time with him. So I think creating a space to know that people can fuck up and it's okay and also supporting them and encouraging them and backing them in 110% is something that really, really important too. So, um, but yeah, it's been super challenging and I just can't wait to go and, like our whole team hasn't met together. <laughs> you know, there's six of us, we haven't even got together and, you know, like it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but in an organisation, I love people to know that how much I believe in them and see their potential, which I genuinely do, and want it and want them to, you know, experience everything they want in life. And I think when you come from a place of being a servant leader and you, you kind of you lead, you walk your talk, you say what you're going to do, you go and do it, and then you're willing to get your hands dirty, which is something that I take great pride in um, in my life. I think it goes a long, long way to having people go, you know what? That guy, the little part of me wants to follow a little bit of what he's doing and try it on for a bit. And then that happens and then they enjoy that and then they try a little bit more on. And then I think it makes, yeah, just a, a nice place to lead people and uh, foster a workplace of, you know, a can-do attitude and good times, which <laughs> look at Engage Technology Group, I must say. We did a great time. We had a great business. We helped heaps of people out. We, we drove great numbers and we had a bloody good time. I love it. Yeah. I want to circle back again. I'm doing the whole circle back all the time. On good. You. Um, good. When we were talking about relationships before, you mm. were talking Don't about- circle back to relationships. No, no, there's a great it's segue. It's a segue. I promise. I'm joking. You can ask me anything. Uh, um, we were talking about like the, the number one thing is being uh, truthful and honest. And then what you were just saying then about the team allowing the safe space to fuck up. And this is where I think I do a lot of coaching with my clients around relationships and things like that as well. Um, and and the, the lines between business relationships or relationships, but that's the thing. If you want someone to be truthful and honest, you need to give them the space. And when I asked you what you, you thought before about why people don't, my belief is that it's because we get scared, we're fearful. We fear, we fear that you won't love me or that you won't like me if I'm honest about how I feel or that, you know, that you've got, you've got a belief and, and if I don't believe you the same, then you're, you're not going to love me anymore or mm. there's not that space to, to own the fuck up. Like you just get crucified or nagged to death or do you know what I mean? Like there's, there's not any acceptance of what you were saying before about putting your feet in the shoes properly mm. or you get yeah. berated for your you fuck up when you're like, okay, I'm already in pain. I'm already suffering. I know I fucked up. <laughs> I need you to do is grab the salt and just jam it in the wound, right? Like, just need you. I to know it. I get it. Yeah. The face. But how that can that relates to the team too, right? If if we really want to encourage people to, and this is what they say about those big, not only the tech companies, but the 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 unicorns 
um, is that the people are allowed to have the creativity and, oh, actually it stems from Brene Brown. And if you want people to be vulnerable and if you want creativity, you need people to be okay to be vulnerable and you've got to create the safe space for them to be vulnerable because coming up with new ideas and testing things often means you're going to fall flat on your face or like you've got to put yourself out there and try and explain something. So you need to feel safe to be vulnerable, to, to have that creativity. And it's in that that you're going to have the power of the growth. So how do you create that? So what's, whether that's in business or relationships or life, have, this is something I try to do a, a lot of work on, uh, <laughs> constant evolution. And I'm getting, grabbing, looking at bookshelf with millions of things. Um, mm. Do you have any things that you do, um, even if it's just phrases or, or something that you do within yourself that allows your team to have that safe space to fuck up or in your relationships to create the trust to openly share? Mm, wow. Fuck. Oh, I know. Hey, box open. Well, <laughs> which part? All right. Um, you know, if, to start with, like, I'll, I'll be, um, my vulnerability is massive, I reckon. So, you know, even if I was reflecting on the business world, being vulnerable and sharing personal challenges that I had at different times in the business journey can be perceived as a sign of weakness especially in the corporate world but there were times on a and we had a, a good culture where people could share what they're actually being challenged with personally and we had a, a team because everyone kind of like knew you know if somebody was going through something at the time and people would take that into consideration so um creating a space and, and, you know, it's got to be led. And I shared on another podcast the other day that it doesn't necessarily have to be the leader or the person who's got the title to be showing the vulnerability for there to be vulnerability and create a space for vulnerability to show up. So, you know, it's good to find somebody as well. Like we had a spiritual mascot in our business and I wouldn't say he's a, he was the most talented technician, technical person. He wasn't in, in uh, it was like pre-sales. Um, he had, you know, communication challenges when he first joined us. Um, but this individual went about his work every single day. Every single day, he would try to find a way to improve. And so when I was leading and running meetings and talking about you know, commitment and sacrifice and discipline, quite often I could use this individual as a person as about how well he displays the company values. Um, and so it, it was nice to have somebody in the team to be able to you know, acknowledge and also create some ways we go about doing business that we're not limited to anyone, but everyone to apply themselves. And when it's demonstrated at different levels in the organization from the top down. And so I've always tried to make sure that I'm willing to be the last person to leave after packing up at an event, for example. Mm. Um, so like that, that creates good space and good, good openness, vulnerability and trust within the team. Um, there was something else that popped up into my in my mind before I went down that path, and I can't recall what it was. I'd love I'd love you to give me a trigger on the question. It was a bloody long question. Uh, it was a really long question. It was a great um, question. So definitely around uh, around creating the space for team to share fuck ups and and yeah. and the vulnerability, but then also in relationships, how you how you can cultivate the trust that someone else can share. Uh, either how they're feeling or that they feel mm. safe to be honest yeah yeah I think it's how you how you you know if somebody comes to you with something I think it's how you respond immediately you know like um it takes a lot of effort it takes a lot of effort 
for somebody to come up and be open and honest to another human being. That, that takes a lot of courage. And, you know, in the past, um, so in the past I've been able to demonstrate that and do that, but maybe I haven't been so good at doing that to somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because that takes a lot Like, does my ass look big in this? Yeah, it takes a lot of courage, right? <laughs> like, to answer well, honestly. <laughs> well, my, my friend said to me, you know, like Rory, and he's, a, he's 10 years older than myself, and he came and he said, um, he was talking to different things about me and passing on his advice to me. And I don't know, it takes, and we're talking about, we're talking about dating actually. Right. Um, and so he said, if you're at a bar and a chick comes over and she may not come over and say day, but she might walk over to you, maybe elbow you or get your attention. It takes a fair bit of effort for that to happen. And when he, when he shared with me, I was like, does it? And he goes, yeah. And I'll go, wow. And so, and the same applies in terms of, you know, if somebody comes up and they're open and mm -hmm. courageous and share a fuck up, that takes a lot of fucking courage. And um, now I just like, I like acknowledge it and I'm pumped for that person and talk to them about how proud I am of them. And, you know, just that's the, hold the space for that to occur. Mm -hmm. And then in that whole communication or engagement, now I'll spend 90% on holding the space and being there for them. And that 10% of the space talking about what happened yeah. on that part and then down the track, then follow it up because, because obviously some things might need to happen. Like there might need to be a, an action. Now, whether or not it's time sensitive or critical to a customer outcome, I'm not, you know, it depends on the context. If something still needs to be done, I'd work to, to get something done. But, you know, really just let them know that them as an individual is more important than the fuck up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and look at look at the relationship with that team member is, you know, a long one. Like I, I see so many teams revolving doors. I reckon in, in all of my businesses, the, the turnover has been like 5%, like 95% will stay the whole journey. Like, and, you know, the turnover is low. And it's because I invest in that, not this. Yeah. You know, and people care. And like, I mean, pe people see that you care. And you generally do. And that's why it's so important to be clear on who you are, what your purpose is, what your passion is, because how can you be, how can you care when you're coming from a place of pain? You can't, you can't. If you've got a conflict, how can you be there? How can you show up every day? It gets harder and harder. And it's a journey. It's not saying I'm there now. It's a, it's an ever, it's a unfolding journey, but it's being aware to know when you are and aren't present for somebody else and having that awareness. Yeah, which, for sure. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we used to do in my last business is, we'd have in our meetings, everyone had to share a fuck up from the week. So on Fridays we did reflection and it was like, okay, where, where did you fuck up and what can you teach somebody else here so that they don't have to go through your pain or embarrassment to, to move forward or what wow. can learn so we can mitigate that risk in the future because like then every fuck up becomes an opportunity for learning and that, that space is held. And I think it's a big part of grooming the rest of the team, not to just, sometimes it's okay to laugh but not to crucify uh and like you said before like deal deal with it at the time it needs to be dealt with so you don't necessarily yeah. need to go into the and throw the salt in the wound and and highlight the fact that it's a mistake highlight like, okay what do we need to do to fix it or to it not happen again and as a leader if it is and actually isn't in a relationship um, I do Friday reflection with all of my coaching clients now as well. Like we, we jump on the wetsuit CEO calls on Fridays and we all go through it. It's like, okay, extreme ownership. Where were you at cause or what could you do differently 
to, to mitigate that risk or to prevent that undesirable outcome to happen. And, you know, even if you look back at your, us divorcees, we have the opportunity to, to look back at what, where we kind of could have done things. And, you know, I could have understood love languages a lot earlier and realized that his primary love language was quality time and, uh, and gifts where mine is physical touch and affirmation and words of affirmation totally off. And yeah. I spent, you know, 38 hours a week training for football and running a startup and run and starting a football league, like the quality yeah. time. Yeah. So maybe, maybe me not getting maybe. quality time led to him drinking more and being an asshole to me when I walked in the door, which then perpetuated me going, well, I don't want to walk in the door very often. You need me to do another project? Sure. You want me to pick up another same Okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's all that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I was like, oh, don't feel so great at home. So if someone else asked me to fill in, play another game, I'll do that. Or pick up another project at work or work with another charity because yeah. I had an avoidance, whereas it was my avoidance that was causing the problem in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if we can go scale back, like you said before, about ownership and going, okay, where did I, where did I contribute to this? And how could mm. I, how could I, in the beautiful lens of hindsight, make an adjustment or what could I teach somebody else to help them not go through this? Powerful words and um, good on you, I say. That's, you know, it takes a lot of, like I said before, it takes a lot of courage to own up to your shit and acknowledge that you cause the shit. And, you know, in my scenario, as a, as a male, as a bloke, as a husband, like, I created a fair bit of shit in our in, in the space of our relationship, you know, and um, it's easy to go down the path of trying to deflect and, and point and blame and mm. it actually doesn't go anywhere. And if there's any guys out there, like, you know, my, the, the circumstances around the ending of my um, relationship are like, it's been probably one of the best things, as challenging as that is, it's been one of the best things for myself, but it's more than just me involved in you know, like with my kids and then also my ex and it's, it's probably been the best thing for all of us, you know, and even though there's circumstances surrounding, you know, her, her, her partner now and stuff around that, I took the approach real early on. I was going, you know what? I can blame that guy and I can blame all these different things, but you know what? If I loved, if I loved my wife the way that she needed to be loved and deserved to be loved and valued, then she wouldn't have had any thinking or thoughts about anybody else and it was like you know then a good narrative yeah but you're out going out and working and providing for the but hang on yeah but that's you got to take responsibility for that too and so it's a challenge for men and i think we've got to you know pull up our socks a little bit and this is only based on through what i've learned by fucking up by the way is that you know if you can take responsibility for your fuck ups and really own how you've made other people feel then it does a few things. One, it enables and creates a space for you to forgive yourself. And two, it creates space for the other person to forgive themselves as well so that everybody can move on forward with their lives. Um, and when you don't take responsibility and keep just fucking exchanging backwards and forth, it doesn't, doesn't help anyone and it only harms and it only hurts. And so... If there's any guys out here um, that, that may resonate with, I really encourage you to lean in and take responsibility for stuff because 
you know, it's challenging, but we talk about slow is fast, Jade. Yeah. You know, my relationship ended three years ago and I've healed and I'm moving forward with my life and I feel great. And you see people who waste their entire lives in the pain, you know, like. Yeah. And, and worse, taking the sins of one onto another. So like painting, painting everyone with the same brush, like, man, my, mine um, separated four years ago and I've done, as you can see it, I'm doing a lot of work on reflecting and rather than the blame or whatever, trying to go, okay, well, where I played a part in this somewhere. What do I want to learn from it? How do I not want that to happen again? And this is not about blame myself and doing some forgiveness stuff as well, but going, okay, mm. well, where does that serve me? And how would I, if I have the opportunity to re-script re it, move forward. But then dating over the last few years, like, start up going out with some guys and they've been through something similar and, you know, all women are the same and all like, especially if they've been, if, if they've um, left. And if you look at some of those situations, they probably have the similar things, business owners, they were out grinding, working, thought they were doing the right things, providing, I bought her a, a five bedroom mansion on the beach and I did all this stuff. Well, guess what? All she wanted was you to yeah. have dinner with her. She didn't yeah. want a fucking five bedroom mansion. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I was the prime, I, I kind of alpha mailed. I was the primary breadwinner in our relationship, the whole relationship. Yeah, sure. And, yeah. you know, and wanted to provide for my family and other things as well. So I thought that, you know, more working, more accolades, more things, more here, credit card would, that's what we want. Oh, no, actually, you genuinely want me to sit down on the couch and watch reality TV with you. Like, that's going to make you feel way better than the, $1,350 we're paying on rent. Yeah. Right? So, but if you don't take this, the time or be conscious in understanding that, and that's why I do um, love languages with with teams as well um, and cool. profile testing and things because understanding how someone feels um, appreciated. Yeah. Even friends and family, oh, my God, revolutionised my relationship with my sister, understanding quality time. And yeah. not, especially when I was in the peak of my recruitment firm, I, I'd go to lunch and always have my phone out and I'd, it bing, I'd pick it up. And like, I used to leave going, why the fuck would I have lunch with her again? She's such a bitch. Like, she's just not nonstop having a go at me. She just doesn't get it. Yeah. The whole time she's there thinking, well, she just doesn't even care about me. I mean, nothing to her because all, you, all she's like, why'd she even come? It's like, Wow. Yeah. What can you change? I can just explain that I've got an important call and I've got to wait for my phone. She's then understanding and I only take the important call or if it's not important, put my phone on airplane mode. Yeah. Yeah. How's that word you said? Explain. Such a powerful word, explain. And I think a lot of people don't have the ability to communicate and explain themselves the reasons why they think or feel things, right? to keep the yeah. peace, to stay safe. But suppression kills expression, you know, like it. Oh, writing that one. And we need to express. We all need to express. It was like I was that kid in class and I used to sit there and the, the teacher would ask the question, you know, and I'd watch everyone else's hands go up. And I'm like, I'd be sitting there going, fuck, I know the answer to that, but I'm not putting my hand up. You know, like I knew the answer, but I, knew, but I was too scared to speak up yeah. and out. You know, I was too scared to speak up and out then. And I saw it manifesting later in, in my life, in my personal life. I was like, holy shit, I've got to do something about this. And now I'm like, 
express away, I don't, you know, like, and yeah. again, coming back to identity and being aligned with your vision, your values and purpose, all those things, the closer you get to that, the less of everything else matters. Yeah. And, and really thinking about how you can help other people feel safe to do that expression, especially kids. Mm, kids, I know. Yeah, because you, you took on that. You probably stopped expressing and stopped putting your hand up maybe because something happened at home. Yeah. And, or a teacher berated you in the classroom or the kids Which laughed one? at you. Which yeah. one? <laughs> <laughs> so what I think what, what our responsibility is as, as humans, but definitely as business leaders to be the ripple mm. effect is to go, how can we allow people that that space and it's going to do nothing but help your business like imagine everyone that worked with you so whether they be team members suppliers freelancers customers were able to express freely and come to you with their fuck ups their ideas or or explain how something you did made them feel how much quicker could we grow our business how much, like, this is where you can 10X things. This is where you can yeah. really explode because the growth can be A, so much quicker because you can iterate fast. So if something happened, you're, you're iterating. Like a lot of people don't review their business until either like the end of the quarter or worse, the end of the year. If you as a business owner and your team is, is reflecting every week on what worked, what didn't work, what to keep, what to delete, what to start doing, looking at what fucked up, what went right, what went wrong and how you can turn the dial. Like think of that compounding effect over 52 weeks versus if you did it four times or once. Thank there you go. Yeah. It's, it's that accountability to that weekly devotion and getting stuff done right. And that compounding effect is massive, massive. Yeah. Uh, and people don't realise because that, the results don't show up straight away or in the first six months, sometimes even in the 12th, first 12 months, sometimes not even in like enough in the first 18 months, but the results are achievable and you need to show up every day. Well, not every day. You need to show up on a, on, yeah, every day. Every day you need to be there. So like, you know, and, um, you know if, you, if you're a good person and you make decisions based around values and, you know, you've got good people in your team that their personal values are aligned to their corporate values or your business values and yourself. You're going to find you're going to have a pretty synergistic environment where people are working together to achieve a common outcome. And whilst it sounds like something that's written in a textbook and so many people talk about culture, I think uh, there's very few that can execute it really, really well. And there's more and more, but you see... Culture, culture isn't just beanbags and, uh, and yeah. ping pong tables, is it? I'm putting a slide in here and I've got a ping pong table and there's a dartboard and there's a basketball ring and there's going to be a gym, but it's not that stuff. I want the slide. Uh, it's their hearts. It's their hearts. Yeah. You know, no. people's hearts. Need it to is the hearts. And then when we get back to the fact that, you know, we're souls here having a human experience, like we didn't come here just to grind under lights and get flogged and hit KPIs, like we're here to connect and connect to heart and mm. and to to work together to, to see things grow. So fostering that in, I, I always say happiness is the greatest hack to productivity and profitability. So if you can find a way to be the ripple effect of happiness, then only good things are going to come. Yeah, amazing. I love that. I'm still like, happiness and productivity. It's good. I like that one. <laughs> 
Um, I'm going to switch gears again on us. I want to okay. go back to Bell Surf Wax. Okay. There's a lot of switching here. I know. I, I miss my Lotus. I miss having a, a gear stick. I oh, yeah. okay. have a high ace. So I, don't, I don't get to right. go. switch gears. Um, okay. okay. Bell Surf Wax. Are people watching? Are we getting questions? Oh, or? I don't know. I, I, should have, I forgot to say on Facebook that when I go live on Facebook from Zoom, I don't actually check it. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Oh, can, yeah. Can you see it? Yeah, well, otherwise I'm typing notes here. I'm talking to you. I'm trying yeah, to... No, yeah, it's like, better being more... It's better being present, things. isn't it? <laughs> it's better being present with the person you're speaking to because you yeah. can't catch up on all that stuff. I shared it, though, at the, on some my so I don't know. My assistant shared it everywhere, but I, I haven't looked. I will look. Um, so with Bells, you bought it because you got tagged on Facebook. Yeah, pretty much. Like literally. Right. Now I think so much more than that. I think we must have got connected just beforehand. Really? Yeah, that makes sense. Maybe. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because it kind of sprung out of nowhere. Just talk talk me through Bells. What you're doing with it? What's the mission and vision? And because this is the surf, this is. Yeah, I know. So cool. Hey, unreal. Thanks for yeah, creating. This has been great chat, by the way. Um, so it was really interesting. So I was overseas and we said, yeah, no worries. The guy's name, he's called Sam Ham, the guy who owned and started Bell Surf Wax. And he set, founded it in 2013. He's a really good guy, like real nice guy. And um, he's a plumber by trade. I think his son got drafted to play for the Bombers a year ago or something ago. But a lovely guy. So anyway, I'm over in America and... Um, I was coming back around the 14th or 13th of October in 2017. I said to him, I'll be back then. We'll sort it all out. And on the 15th of October, me and two of my friends, Sticks and Kylie, we had a fundraising event called a new wave down at Torquay Surf Lifesaving Club, Torquay Beach. And we raised $10,000 for living. And the day before I just got back into the country and I went to Sam Ham's house um, to get some wax for the day tomorrow, the, the charity fundraiser surfing event we had. There was the sickest day. Um, and I rock around to Sam's place and he goes, G'day, mate, how you going? We shake hands and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, okay, come out here. I'll show you, I'll show you how we do it. So he literally rolls up the roller door in his garage and he go, takes me through this process on how he creates the wax. And he's got moulds and he's got – so he had a rice cooker, right? He had a, he had a rice cooker. And what he'd do, he'd get, he'd get the wax in bulk and then he'd melt it down in the rice cooker and that would take about – you know, 10 to 15 minutes from just the right temperature. And then he'd pour, once it got to the right temperature, he'd pour it into the molds. And then he go, and then so he poured into the two molds. So he made two for me to show me how he does it. And then pours into the glass. And then he goes, then what I usually do is I sit back, I'll go inside, I'll grab a stubby, and then I'll have a beer. And then by the time I finish the beer, I'll come back out and I'll be done. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm like, holy shit, has this guy seen me with a hammer and a nail? I'd break me some. Like, so I've gotten better with like using my hands and doing more um, laborious stuff with my hands. But so this is the thing. I'm kind of like, okay, no worries, great. This is awesome. So I pick up everything and walk out to the car and put it on the car. It's like a container. It's got a rice cooker and it's got, he was, he was wrapping, wrapping the product up with plastic, you know, initially in terms of the packaging and, so I got it and I looked at it all and I thought, holy shit, I've got some thinking and some work to do here because I couldn't see myself out in a garage doing that and got all the beers that have to go along with it. I go, I don't drink that much. <laughs> so I end up being pissed out here every day and making this wax. Anyway, 
so I gave it some time and I thought about it and it was kind of like, you know what, we really need to have a product that can, we can ship all over the world, like wax with different types of water temperatures. And so I thought about that and then I thought the packaging, we need to do something around the packaging of it. And then it was kind of like, well, what's, what do we stand for? Why, you know, why another, why another surf wax brand, you know? And, and, you know, number one for me, it was really important. I'd been, my love for surfing in the ocean um, started at probably the age of 12, 13, where um, I met a friend at, um, I always loved the ocean going away on holidays, but to surf. Unfortunately, um, I, I met a family in, um, when I was in year nine of high school, year eight or nine around that time, and they had a house down the coast. And so every weekend I'd get invited, or most weekends I got invited to go down, and that's where I first started surfing. And I remember one of the first days I surfed 13, just down here on, on the surf coast, just down the road. And uh, it was five foot out the back and it was cold and I had holes in a borrowed wetsuit I had and like, you know, I couldn't get out and I got smashed and I came and I'm like, I'm not doing that again. Um, but it became something that became quite ritual. And the challenges that I had as a 15, 16 year old, as a teenager, it was a great way for myself and also many others to get away from all of that. Now, I, I was raised in the Melbourne suburbs. So, you know, to go surfing, you had to get in the car and drive for two hours or an hour was a closer surf beach. So it was quite a mission and commitment um, to get down the coast. We'd hitch rides. We'd like have our, have our older friends who've got their license it's just so you could get in the car to get down the coast for the weekend. And if you had a place to stay, which I was fortunate enough to have a place to stay with Davo, and his family, if you weren't, you're just like, all right, make it up as we go. And we just, us, us boys just knew that we needed to get away and we needed to be down the coast and we needed to surf and then we come back, you know. And so we did. And, you know, through some of the most challenging days, some of the surfs that, you know, to paddle out of Bells and Winky and just that, that whole coast and surfing around there, just to get lost and escape all the problems and challenges that I've had in life. It was just, you know, for me, it was a very personal thing. So when the opportunity came up to have, a, a, you know, some sort of product in the surf industry, number one, it was like, this is great. It's kind of like something that's means so much to me and it still means a lot to me now. And I think with that um, passion and commitment, then it creates a great space to incubate something of meaning. And so, you know, we went through a process. Um, there's a great guy who makes some awesome wax and he's been making wax in Australia for 30 years. So we've, we've teamed up together went through a branding and a packaging, change of the design of the packaging and the branding so we've not got no plastic. Um, and then it was kind of like, all right, we'll start posting that some stuff. That makes me happy. Hey? <laughs> that yeah, makes yeah. Me happy. You know, I'm on a war against plastic. Yeah, yeah. So it's all Australian-owned. It's all like all no plastic and that type of stuff, like cardboard. It doesn't have all the, the um, Vaseline and petroleum shit like some of the other ones do, which are more stickier um, for sure. But, you know, it was, again, how are you going to be different? Um, and so, and then what happened, started posting some stuff on Instagram and then I've got kids reaching out, you know, 15 year old kids. Hey, I want to be sponsored. Can you sponsor me? And I'm like, have a look. And, you know, I started, I was going to, you know, the initial thing was I'm going to check out their Instagram pages and look at their clips. And, you know, I started looking at it all and it was kind of like, what a good kid, you know, reaching out and taking the initiative and sick. Do I think they're the best surfer in the world or they're going to be world champion? I'll go, no, pretty good, but maybe not. You never know, though. And it was kind of like, yeah, I'll support them. And then it was kind of like, you know, which one of these kids will go on and be world champion or have a career in surfing? They made it a handful of them. It was kind of like, so, you know, I feel a sense of responsibility to help these kids out because, you know, what about outside of that? And so it was kind of like, so it was like Shred for Life came about. And it was like, yeah, we want to support them with surf waves, but what about, 
we started creating a space for kids to not only be sponsored, but receive education. And, you know, it kind of like manifested into this other thing where there was this skating, surfing, snowboarding culture coming together. And, you know, at the same time, I was skating around a lot. And then it's just been bizarre. So, like, I've had a bunch of kids reach out. Now they're riding for the team and they're based all over the world. We get more people hitting our inboxes every single day. And the challenge for me in the past 12 months is being able to, you know, going through the personal challenges, being able to connect with them all, um, connect with each of them. And then, you know, like what programs do we want to offer them? You know, like these kids, who's teaching them about relationships? Who's teaching them about, you know, how to discover your purpose and passion? So this idea for Shred for Life came about through the fact I thought I wasn't being of value to these kids by just sending them surf wax or hoodies or hats that we got made for them. And so out of that Shred for Life was born. And then about the same time, Nick, who works at a secondary school, he said, he approached me and he's like, I'm just not, I'm teaching maths and English and I do all this cool outdoor ed stuff, but these kids need to be taught how to live and like life. And I go, I know, mate, I know. And he goes, you know what? He goes, I want to let's do Shred for Life together and combine surfing, the snowboarding, the skateboarding experience stuff with teaching these life skills. So, so last year we go into a classroom and we run five first five modules. One of them was called identity. One of them was called uh, fixed versus growth mindset. One was called, uh, what was it? How to set goals. One was called something about gratitude. And then the other one was escapes me. But we've got 10 modules now. We've got pre-workbooks, post-workbooks. And we've got the experience place here for kids to be able to come and escape. But this all came about through the surf wax. So it's kind of like how, you know, positioning that business as a different business. It was like kind of a bit like the thank you water guy, that Daniel Flynn guy, you know, water. But it was still water at the end of the day, but it was making a difference. And I kind of sat there and go, you know what? This is surf wax. Um, is it the best surf wax in the world? That's open to debate, right? Um, but it's really good. Um, but, you know, like some of the more traditional brands. But I'm like, you know, but what's the opportunity here? What's this really about? And it's about empowering teenagers all over the world to, you know, and kids to pursue surfing, to pursue things like skateboarding, snowboarding for a number of reasons. Number one, you know, Surfing, snowboarding, skateboarding, you've got to step into fear and all those things. And there's one thing about those individual sports that team sports can't teach, and that is owning your, you know, owning everything, taking 100% responsibility for your thoughts, your emotions, your actions. And so the combination of these experiences combined with education has been um, what the, you know, the foundations and the heart of what Shred for Life's came about. And it came about because of a surf wax brand that I bought for $8,000 because I got tagged in on a Facebook post over watching the San Francisco Giants. So wow. the power of manifestation, the power of being aligned and it's kind of like that. So many things that are like a lot dropping for me right now. <laughs> what about, happened? We were talking about like not forcing things and things happening for a reason and blah, blah, blah that linked me to on Friday I was supposed to record a podcast um, with this amazing human called Maddie Barber and he's created a school called Kui and we were due to meet up I couldn't like it's school holidays here there was surf for the first time in a little while it's was and we're in the border zone right so we had the overlap of Queensland and New South Wales like it's just I don't know why I thought going out at 26 degrees on a Friday afternoon when there's actually surf was a great idea in the van but we couldn't yeah. find anywhere to park. And then it was like, I didn't have my tripod to set up here at home. And it's like, it just felt like a rub. And it's like, do we push the podcast and just do it? Or do we just go for lunch 
and we talk because we've been meaning to catch up. We surf out the front all the time. We met him in the surf. Yeah. We just, and we talk. And I said to him, I believe everything happens for a reason. We'll figure out why. And then I started talking to him and I was like, this is why. This is why we couldn't do the podcast because I need yeah. to sponsor you through my program to help you because he got all my podcast documents and everything. He's like, fuck. He sends me a thing going, fuck, wow. All I can say is wow. And I'm like, you okay? And he's like, he's like the detail. And you saw my stuff that got sent out. It's like, sick. Like, I said the same thing. He's like, I need this. And I'm like, don't freak out. He's like, no, I need this for Kui. Like, this is what I need. And he was like all in a state. So I was like, this is the reason. I've been looking for a new youth project to align with because I, I used to work with Ray's Foundation in Sydney and I was on the committee and I mentored uh, at-risk youth in school and I've been trying to find the right thing that fits. But I also have this calling now, you're talking about alignment of purpose and business, that yeah. I need it to be aligned somehow to the ocean or to the beach and I want it to be with youth and I want to help kids that didn't have the same, like that had, you know, same sort of issues as me growing up. And here I am sitting with this guy that's got this amazing thing that he's doing, but needs the clarity to be able to enroll more students and to get sponsorship and to help bring it to life. Yeah. And it's, it's almost exactly what you just said about your friend, Matt, with school teacher. So he's a school teacher. He was teaching in schools, seen that there was this huge society was letting a bunch of kids down. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and schooling kind of lets a lot of them down. Yeah. My opinion, all of them down, but that's a, that's another rant. I totally agree. And so I want to put you guys in contact because he's now aligned through and Queensland uh, education actually um, funds the program pretty much. And they're attached to a school. But this morning, the reason why I knew the reef was pumping is because I could see all the red vests out the front. They take your 11 and 12 students and put them through. And so Mondays and Tuesdays, they do actual surfing. Wednesdays, they do surf fitness. Then they go to school and they also um, do trainee or apprenticeships um, with businesses. Amazing. So, so there's, there's definitely some alignment there. So, so much alignment. I'm like, for me, I'm now going to work and, and um, coach the kids and mentor the kids and teach them right. real skills. Yep. I'm going to put Maddie through the program so we can help build Kui as a bigger school. Yes. Yeah. And then look at how can we take this to other people? So, for me, that'll, that's the thing. We didn't force it. We set it in. There was a reason why we had to wait. And now everything is dropping in. So I'd, love, I'd love to talk to you more about Shred for Life and how I could contribute because I really do believe that the fate of humanity rests on the shoulders of the business owners and it's our responsibility to be the ripple effect. And that's through, that's through helping the youth to to be able to get these life skills and to look at things different to break free of the culture scape and the bullshit rules of society and how can we set them up to be better citizens and and ideally how can we get more of them in the ocean <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely it's um yeah you're right there's a sense of responsibility for us business owners especially you know especially at the moment uh, we're going through a massive you know, generational shift, you could say, and there's a lot of moving parts globally and also, you know, nationally here in Australia. And I've got a number of different concerns. And at the same time, I like to look at things with, uh, you know, faith in humanity and a belief that good always good will always prevail over evil and that um, there's somebody out looking over after everything. And I think 
you know, we are going through challenging times, but that doesn't mean that the future is not going to be, you know, how we'd like it to be. And it's going to take, you know, I think it's, it's really hard, especially Melbourne, speaking from Melbourne being, you know, locked up, it's going to take people to start realising what their personal power is. And, you know, three or four years ago, I came out after, you know, leaving the corporate world. It was kind of like I saw people wearing their masks in the corporate world three or four years ago, not being authentic or truthful to who they really are. And, you know, it's the uh, same people that I thought were asleep then and now the ones are wearing the masks. And so I won't say anything other than that. Um, yeah. But I think... Like, I, I feel like a lot of people be like, yeah, it's easy for you to say, like, look where I live. And yeah. I'm in Queensland and can pretty much run around freely. Um, haven't had the same impact. But I kept saying that the universe has sent us to our room to think about what we've done. And she's just going to keep fucking slapping us and putting us back yeah. in our rooms. Yeah. If we don't start thinking about it and waking up and making the better choices, and um, I've, I, there's a lot of books and spirituality that I, that I believe that I love what you said before. We we are all connected and we are all energy, and you know, it sometimes. And if you look at hundred year cycles, that things need to be done to 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 bring back the balance. And it's uncomfortable and it's shit. And for some people, it sucks way more than others. Yeah, yeah. But we've got to look at what do we, what can we learn from this, and what do we need to do, and what, what's my part in, even if it's tiny, to to making the change, and what's the learning, and where's the blessing? Like, if you look at anyone that takes extreme ownership and is really tapped into it, into spirituality, will go, there's a lesson in here for me, and there's an opportunity. Like every every bad thing, we can either be the victim or the victor, and we can look at what can come from it. So looking at the situation and going, okay, like, look what you've done in this time. And if you, and I know you're using your voice, although it's being somewhat silenced on some platforms yeah. <laughs> um, to, to help. But if a lot of people, like someone said to me the other day, oh, why bother? Was well, a cute little kid. Why bother buying bamboo when everyone else uses plastic? Like what's your one thing going to do? Yeah, but if I do it once and then I get you to do it once and then you get someone else to do it once and then they do it once. Yeah. It's the roll-on. The ripple effect, right? It's the ripple effect. Uh, have you heard the story about the boy walking on the beach and he finds all the turtles washed up on the beach? Yes. You have heard tell the story? Can you tell it? I, saw, I, saw, I can't quite remember all the bits of it, but... I. I don't know why it's really bizarre, but I keep thinking about Lakey Peak, which is a surf spot. Yeah, I yeah. When I think of his story, I don't know when I first. Oh, I'm going to squirrel in a second to Zimbabwe. We'll come back to that. Keep going. Yep. Um, there's a boy throwing all the turtles. They've been washed up on the beach, and he's throwing all the turtles back in the water. And then an elderly man comes across, or an older man comes across, and says, "Oh, you know, well, well, why do, why bother? Like, what? Look how many turtles there are." <laughs> he goes, "Why bother?" And he said, "Yeah, but if everyone just picked one up and threw it back, then they'd all be back in there." And like, yeah. Yeah. Everyone just does one thing to shift something yeah. in their lives to have a more harmonious and uh, ecologically sound universe and world moving forward. It doesn't have to be massive. It can be a little thing. And then you can taste and, and experience and feel what it feels like to, to do that and how enriching and fulfilling it is. And then you can go another little piece and you start to realise that some of the things that you've been conditioned to think are helping you. Aren't. And then it just, and then you go, fuck, this is better. I feel better. I can operate better, I can live better, I'm happier, I'm better, you know. Yeah. So, and as soon yeah. as you raise, 
every time you raise your vibration, whether it be like one, I don't know, do we, do we measure the vibrations? How do you measure that? How do you measure that in? Yeah, what's the measurement? Right? The higher we go, the higher we go, and it compounds. And like, it makes you feel that little bit better. It makes something else feel a little bit better. Like throwing yeah. that turtle back, it may not have mattered to the rest of the turtles on the beach, but it fucking mattered to the one turtle we got thrown. Yeah, yeah, 100%, you know, 100%. And, you know, it sounds like we're dreaming and we're in the, and we're hippies and we're in the clouds and like it's awesome because the challenge I have, though, Jade, how do you, where's the, where's the science behind the stuff we're talking about? Where is it like, you know, everyone wants science and everyone wants 100% accuracy and everyone wants to be correct these days. And, we're looking for evidence for fucking everything that's going to happen in the future based on what's happened. Like, oh, come on, are you or kidding me? I say, are you looking for evidence or are you looking for excuses? Because well, yeah. a lot of the time, yeah. they're trying to use evidence as an excuse. Very good. So, yeah, and and you can find evidence for almost anything if you pay the right person. What what you if you real want the real evidence, look look inside yourself, get connected to soul, meditate on it. And ask yourself how you how you really feel. Is there a rub? Are you is there is your energy going up or going down? Are you getting sick, or are you getting energized? Are you do you know what I mean like did you get that gut feeling like when you went to do it, or did it feel a bit icky? Is it heavy? Is it light? Like if you start being able to tap in, you'll know within yourself. Yeah, 100%. like next time you go to buy a plastic water bottle, ask yourself does it like if you actually think about it, and you're making the choice out of paying 20 cents more for a glass one or 50 cents more. Like the, another another lovely child moment last night, we were trying to find sparkling water and th- there was no, like, I'm like, get the San Pellegrino. It's all, it's in a green bottle, it'll be glass. She comes back and it's in plastic again. And I'm like, what? She's like, it's a green bottle. It says the sand pit. And I'm like, why San Pellegrino gone from glass to plastic? And then we, I went and got the other one. I took off the shelf. She goes, that one's a dollar more. I said, yeah, but I'm, I, I think it's worth it to the ocean and to our planet to pay the dollar more for the glass bottle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And she's like, oh. so what will you do with the bottle? I said, well, I'll probably fill it up at home and use it for filtered water or worst case, it recycles better. Mm. Yeah, and she goes, I think that's worth a dollar. Beliefs, right? Empowering beliefs, mm. you know? And what people and people's beliefs around money Mm-hmm. You know, that's a whole other rabbit hole we could go down. Oh yeah, we could screw off. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Before I go, before I go on my eco high horse, let me squirrel for one last time. One last time. What is the time? It's ten past four. Okay. Sure. One last squirrel hole. Let's go. Zimbabwe. What? Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe. Yeah, Zimbabwe. Well, I was over. So this is kind of like a bit of the the color. I like to think. You know, in my mind, I have stories playing out. It's like in my mind, I'm constantly playing out these stories in my mind and reflecting. And, you know, I think for anyone who goes through a pretty shit time where they've got to reset their, their personal life and their professional life, yeah, you're like a phoenix coming out of the ashes, you know, you're rising up. It's, and it does, it's not easy to, to, for that to happen. And it takes some sort of level of conscious thought. And I remember... It was last year. I was over in Zimbabwe. I'd surfed super surfed with my friend Jai, who I'd met eight days earlier. Um, the Dream Factory wasn't even a thought. Um, having a place over there wasn't even a thought. I was earning $30,000 per year. Um, I was building back up. I was like, no shit. I was building back up. I was building back up. Coming back off the success, smash, 
build yourself back up, but don't overdo it. Right? So here I am, I'm like, all right. And I was over there, I spent 10 days over there, and I was like, it's time to go back on the attack. It's time to go back on the offense. It's time to, I like to call it debt-propelled selling. Debt-propelled selling. Uh, DPS. <laughs> so you go and extend your neck out, and then you step up every day to make sure it happens, right? So I said to Jai when I left, I go, hey, mate, it'd be really cool to have a place here. Like, let's get a place here. And um, having the freedom, being, you know, a single guy, I wouldn't have done that with my, with my partner because I, it wouldn't have been supported. So but I was like, you know what? I go, let's get a place here. So he goes, all right, no worries, leave it with me. And then I came back and then I bought this little caravan, little $10,000 caravan. It was like an Airstream, like an Aussie Airstream. It was like this little, but I bought it off a friend. He had 10000 So I'll sell it. He goes, I'll buy it off you. So he sold me that. And then this place came up and I was like, I need to get a place. I need to, I just knew that I needed a base. I needed a home. I needed somewhere to be able to create and release. And so in the space of a month, when I got back, I committed to buying a block of land over in Indonesia. I bought this bloody 10 grand caravan and I put a, um, and I committed to buying this place with no finance in place, no support from finance, earning the 30K, coming back off the comeback, you know, get it, picking myself up. And I, um, I just was like, all right, I'm ready to go now. I'm ready to be on the attack again. I'm ready to be, have the pressure. I'm ready. And, you know, one thing's led to another thing's led to another thing where I managed to settle this. 45 days late after not getting supported for finance and CBA. There's always a way. There is always a way. I ended up paying off that, that Airstream caravan that I had 12 months ago. I ended up paying for that. And then I sold it a month ago and made eight grand on it, you know. And at the time, it wasn't, it's, it's never been about the money. It was about the game. It was about stepping out. And it's just like fascinating. And then, um, and then yeah, getting into this place and some of the work we've done here already and, you know, coming off, coming off nothing to go, you know what, your talents, your abilities and these skills, double down on them, go all in. Now's the time to start showing up and starting to work really, really hard. And that's what I've been doing for the last 12 months, literally rebuilding. And then even six months of those, I've been in confinement. But you know what, the last six months, I've grown more than I would have had in the last three years. It's been profound. And, you know, you've got week on, week off with the kids and you have a lot of time to think. And I think... We're talking about people getting back into relationships and getting people into relationships, relationship, relationship. I've spent three years pretty much on my own, you know, a little bit of dating, but by intention and not getting involved with somebody else, having lots of uncomfortable silences on my own to process my shit. And it's been a real gift and it's a challenging one, that's for sure. And people, I really encourage people to have the... Um, to have the, I guess, self-love, I reckon, you need to really love yourself to be able to go, you know what? I don't need anyone else to be happy. And I definitely want, want, to, definitely want to have a life partner that I share life with. I can't wait for it. And, and I'm like, okay, with not to be in a rush around it as well. I don't need it, you know? And I can't wait just to come from that space in a relationship where, you know, I met my ex-wife at 25 and I was in a codependent relationship for 15 years, 18 years. But you don't get taught that stuff at school, right? No. Well, your no parents teach us. Such a beautiful um, lesson to give others about being able to to love yourself because if we if we're trying to fill the gap with a relationship and we're not 100% comfortable then you're constantly putting an expectation on the other person that they may not be able to live up to. Yeah. And yeah. That's where resentment and in issues and blame and all of that energy comes from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, 
and so going back to Samoa, so I met Jai, we did yoga every day, we made this commitment, which just seemed like brothers, like he compliments me so well, I compliment him so well, you know, like he shreds on a surfboard, he's got the long blonde hair, and um, but he's a yogi, but just our conversations are amazing. I had 100% trust in this man straight away from when I met him. I go, let's do it. And so it's great. We've got our space now. It's all been leveled out. We've got power. We've got, we've got water. He started, he started planting an edible forest. So we want to have fruit and veg that we can eat from. We'll have some wax over there. We'll run yoga retreats. We'll chill out. We'll go and surf pumping waves, hikes, snorkeling. There's so much to do without all the BS that we live in an overregulated society here. So, so when the when we're allowed to travel again, when can I bring my my yeah, exactly. staff retreat there? There's like a long list. There's like a mega list of people. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. Uh, absolutely, when we can travel again for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, when when do you think it'll be built? When will it be actually done? Or it, uh, uh, we, so we've got we've got like little plans. We're about to get the stuff for the houses and the and the accommodation. And the fortunate thing is, you know, how it led to that is my friend and his cousin, my cousin and his friend a few years ago, um, built Baha Baha Villas right in the same spot. And so we've had two friends and family go over there and build this awesome sick place for um, people to go and enjoy. And they've got a great place. So because it's accommodation, pool, Wi-Fi, because working over there last year was so good. And it's such a, you get away from all the noise and you've got space and you can think and you can plan. And so um, it's, been, it's been great to know the guys there. So if you wanted to go over there now, you go and say Baha Baha. Um, but we're doing our little thing and I reckon we'll be done by, I don't know, middle next year and maybe end of next year it'll be ready to ready to visit. So um, awesome. just depends how much comfort you like. I don't need too much comfort. Uh, but I uh, I stay at Sticky's place on Sticky's place on the on the cliff at Bingen if I need to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. If, as long as if you've got the epic view and uh, and not, not too many tourists and yeah, I'd, I'm happy to. I grew up in a trailer, so. Uh, I do like my five star stuff, but if I if it's a matter of being right on the beach, got the view, got the setting, I'm more than happy to rough it too. Sick. Yeah. Sick. <laughs> also, I love to know that story about the yeah the trailer. That's cool. I love, <laughs> I love the struggle to success stories are the best. I love them. Yeah. Well, uh, I think my uh, my team put out a post the other day, uh, a picture of me with my van saying like you can. You can take the girl out of the trailer park, but you can't take the trailer out of the girl. I was like, just, I'm just come full circles, just going from living living in the caravan park and living in a, a van to having my van. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting, isn't it, when you go post-relationship in the middle parts of your life, how you go revert back. So, so I've reverted back to who I, before I met my, my ex, at 20, age 25, who was? I'm like, whoa, who was that kid? Yeah. I'm going back to try to pick up, you know, like the story, I guess you could say, and it. Yeah, a childlike faith and that enthusiasm that comes from, you know, drawing into who you were as a child, it's, it's um, undervalued, I reckon. Oh, I think that's one of the biggest things that we could do. Uh, and I've been talking about it. My sister's building a, a business at the moment called Hearts of Play. Uh, and it's, it's all um, organic and um, sensory-based learning for kids. But the, the core message and where it came from was she realised that we didn't, have a childhood and tapping into that inner child and the play. And if I look at the business owners and the people that are most happy, that have the best relationships and the most fun in life, it's they know how to embrace the inner child and they look at things with childlike wonder and without the fear that what we've developed and been conditioned over the years. Yeah. So if we could approach every situation with a bit of childlike wonder 
and and how you would at at that sort of stage of life imagine what we would do differently and how much fun we can have absolutely absolutely so i uh i i for me it's like okay well you know what would what would i do as a if i was a kid like you don't care what people think what you look like in your swimmers you're like just kid off let's go like how much more freeing is that feeling like yeah it's different isn't it yeah, yeah. before yeah. you get berated in the classroom and someone puts you down you're, you're putting your hand up because you're curious and you want to learn and that's how that accelerates your learning like what can we do to embrace more of that yeah i know that's the thing common sense is not that common <laughs> the problem with common sense is it's not that common oh man you <laughs> The amount of um, <laughs> the amount of quotes that I've written down as we've been going through this uh, has been amazing. <laughs> I like that one. That one someone said to me the other day. I was talking about the madness down here, and he goes, "Yeah, the problem with common sense is not that common." I'm like, "Yeah, I know." Oh. One of my uh, one of my moments where I question humanity <laughs> in the face of having humanity. I'm like, oh, yeah, just, you just have to come back to love, don't you? Um, yeah, come back, come back to love, laughter. Yeah. <laughs> I better run. I was going to say, this has been amazing. Uh, the time threw me because my computer's on Queensland time, but I operate on New South Wales time. Yeah. And so the time's flown. Thank it's been you so much. This has been amazing. One last thing. Yeah. Where is the best place for people to connect with you? Oh, there's so many different places. Probably the best place and the good starting point would be on Instagram, French Break Spread, um, or you can check out the websites around the businesses whatever whatever you you shall seek whatever you are looking for ah, <laughs> Just, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, yeah. Um, obviously make sure that we put in the show notes all of the things so if anyone wants to get some bell surf wax they can reach out if they want to know more about uh shred for life and getting connected and things like that then they can hook up with you i do know that um we've, we've seeded some of your thoughts along the way um but jump on guys to brent's um stories on instagram if you if you want to have a bit of a fire started and join the conversation. Yeah, for sure. And if anyone wants to ask any questions, do we see, or can we ask them? If, yeah, yeah. Any questions? if anyone's got any questions, it's a great one on the Facebook feed um, on barrels and business, then just jump onto the page and drop the questions in, make sure you tag us and let's get back to them. Otherwise, like I said, jump on Brent's stories and ask him questions. We'll put these, we'll get this cast up in a couple of weeks as well and just drop them in the comments. Just make sure you tag us when you do it so that we can get back to you. Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to say ciao for now. Hope you guys have an epic day. For me, unfortunately, I think I've missed the surf, but that's all right. There's always tomorrow morning. You, I'll get your wax out tomorrow. Yes. Thank you. Thanks <laughs> okay. for that. It was really great to exchange. It's really yeah. good, a really nice conversation. I can't it's taken us this long. Yeah, I know. Everything happens in timing and for a reason. So thank you. It was awesome. Yeah, thank you. Okay. See ya. Yeah. You. Hey there, Barrel Chasing business owners. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. What would be amazing and allow us to reach as many business owners just like you would be if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes. If you feel like you got any entertainment or any value out of today, if you could pop on over, that would mean the world to us. See you on the next show.